Hello, and welcome back to the show. I'm Chance Ellison. I'm Russell Howe. This is Dope by Chance. We talk all things movies, television, streaming, sports, all that good stuff. And this week, uh, we welcome baseball back. And we decided to look, go back to the realm of baseball movies. And you guys decided to have us watch 2011's Moneyball. So I'm about to say another anniversary series, but no, that's, that's not how time works. 11-year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so uh, before we're going to get into that later in the show. First, what you got? Are you in segments? First of which is sports talk. Uh, uh, in the wonderful world of sports, I mean, before we guys start with the story, it's not so wonderful. This was a big shock to the football world. Uh, last Saturday, it was announced that we had lost Dwayne Haskins. Uh, he uh, died in a vehicular, I don't know, vehicular collision. He 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 wasn't in the car. He was walking across a, a highway in the middle in the middle of the night. Which, yeah, that's, that in itself lends itself a little bit suspicious or weird, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know why he was doing this, but regardless, uh, Dwayne Haskins was most well-known for being Ohio State's quarterback. Electrifying fucking college quarterback. I mean, I know, I know you're not a big Ohio State uh, Ohio State. Uh, you're a Michigan. You're a Michigan. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was, you know, that was in their stretch of quarterbacks that they had that were just, you know, electric like that, you know. They could pass, they could run, they could do it all. And despite the fact that you know his skills were not translating to the NFL level, he was a guy who I was still I was rooting for him. I was really hoping to turn around just because I did like watching so much in college. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it just it, it does suck. It, it sucks to have like a guy lost that soon. He was he was 24 years old. He just like any anything you hear about the guy is that he was just like a really good dude. And yeah, he's just it's just. Really, it's a humbling experience just to realize that he's gone now. Yeah, I mean, anytime you lose a player so young like that, I mean, it's you know, no matter where you obviously you played college football and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's tough, man. It's it's one of those situations where you know, coming out and going into Washington, he didn't have the best of luck, you know, and you kind of was hoping that you know, uh, getting picked up by the Steelers was going to be kind of maybe a turnaround. Uh, but you never, you know, you, you don't get to see that now. That's kind of unfortunate, you know. They're really committed to trying that again, and uh, looks like this time they're actually, you know, actually going through with it because uh, we actually did get a announcement of all the people who will be coaching in the XFL uh, the upcoming season. Uh, so this comes from uh, from uh, Dwayne Johnson himself. Uh, coaches uh, include such NFL, I mean, little legends like Heinz Ward is going to be a coach. Rod Woodson, Hall of Famer, going to be a coach. Uh, former uh, former Cowboys head coach Wade Phillips is going to be is going to be joining. Uh, I, I I literally lost the fucking list. Uh, but yeah, uh, they're really committed to make to making this XFL work, and now even you know even like the, something the Rock clearly believes in, or Dwayne Johnson, I should say, clearly believes in. Uh, so yeah, I mean, does this gets you curious at all to watch the XFL? Yeah, and I think I've said it before. You know, it's one of those things where if the Rock puts his name on it, I feel like it's it already just makes it that much better. You know. Um, yeah, obviously he's passionate about football. He played football throughout college in Miami, and you know didn't make a run of it. Obviously in the NFL, 
but uh, you know, still obviously has ties and passions for football. So I think that this passion project, I don't know. I think that this could obviously do a lot better than the reboot of XFL part two. Uh, and and maybe you know the the original inception of it. I remember watching the you know the inaugural year um, of XFL. I was excited about it, um, but the the reboot just seemed like to fall flat on its face. It didn't. It just came out in a bad time, you know. Yeah. Okay, uh, here's the full list of coaches right here. So the so all the to be an eight eight team uh, league. Coach Rich followed Reggie Barlow, Anthony Becht, Terrell Buckley, Jim Hassel, Wade Phillips, Bob Stoops. Heinz Ward and Rod Woodson. Uh, so yeah, they'll all they'll all be uh, coaching, which I mean, two former Steelers definitely got my intrigue to, to check this out. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm actually very curious to see what this ends up actually looking like uh, when we, you know, when we. Act, I just we've heard about XFL for so long. Now it's actually happening. It's like shit. Okay, let's let's see where this goes. Uh, but yeah, no, this like this feel like this like this is could be this could be pretty successful. This could be pretty successful as like a counterpoint to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, if they play their cards right and they you know they get the the the, the turnout for fans and stuff like that and do it right, yeah, it could be. Yeah. Well, speaking of playing your cards, right? You know where you play cards, Vegas. And Look at that! Look at that transition. And Vegas uh, has just locked in. One of their prime players for the next couple of years, Derek Carr, has been extended uh, through the next three years. He got a three-year, $121 million extension, adding to, like, if you look at the salaries for, it's funny, you look at the salaries for all the AFC West QBs. We have, like, $40 million for Patrick Mahomes, like, $35 million for Russell Wilson, $35 million for Derek Carr, and you have Justin Herbert on a rookie salary. Yeah, which seems like which the dude doesn't play like a rookie. He's a, he's a stud. He's gonna get a massive contract at some point in his, in his career, or probably. Oh, for sure. He's getting a massive contract when this when this one expires. But yeah, uh, I think I think this is a good get for Vegas. Yeah, I mean, it shows that they are committed to uh, the future with Carr. Um, I know you and I talked about it a lot, like, uh, where are they going to go with him? Are they going to keep him? Because it it seemed like a ping pong match. You know what I mean? You you felt that he was maybe coming out. Maybe go, staying, you know, obviously uh, Adams coming over, you know, his college uh, teammate obviously really changed the landscape of that, I think, and the fact that, you know, they need to stay competitive, especially in that division. Yeah. I, Derek Carr, he's I – think, I think by the fact that Vegas kind of hates him, uh, he's a guy who I, – I, I, like, this is a guy who has literally never had a bad season. No, I mean, not really. I mean, yeah. Like, I've never seen Derek Carr like throughout the entire season where he's just like been like awful, and like he's mm. he's been instrumental in rebounding for this team and helping this team rebound. Because like you you look at like when he when he came when he came in, uh, he was able to you know really revive this team. They had their first win they had their first winning season in a, a while in 2016 because of Derek Carr. Yeah, uh, they had one of the first playoffs before because of Derek Carr. And I feel like you know, he's a real leader of that team. I think that he is being back with Adams now. He's a big key to maintaining that success. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, good good for Carr. Good for Vegas. Again, AFC West next season is going to be a bloodbath. And the last thing we're talking about in the wonderful world of sports, uh, the NBA playoffs have officially officially begun. Uh, looking at the bracket right now, the in the uh, it's the East, the Eastern Conference, you got the Heat, the Fa- 
that's what the Falcons. The Hawks, the 76ers, the Raptors, the Bucks, the Bulls, the Celtics, and the Nets, who were able to get in as a seventh seed. Uh, looking at the Eastern Conference, I think you, you got to look at the reigning champs, Milwaukee, obviously. Uh, the Sixers can also can also cause for a lot of upset. I feel like Miami's going to drop the ball at some point. Yeah, and don't sleep on Boston. I mean, Boston Boston can play pretty well at times, so uh, that's going to be interesting to see what Boston can do, too. And depending on if Kyrie plays, I think Brooklyn can make a, can make a strong case for you know, going, for, going for the top, going for the conference championship. But yeah, um, yeah as, long, as long as he's not a diva, yeah. Yeah, he, he can play unvaccinated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, uh, so yeah, those are the teams look, I'm looking at that conference. Uh, going to the West Conference is gonna be is gonna be fucking insane because you got you got the Suns, you got okay the eighteen, you got the Suns, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, the Jazz, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, and the Timberwolves. Uh, I think the th- there are like four major ones. The, the Suns, I think, are the clear cut favorites to win this conference, which they yeah, should be yeah. the ever. Booker and CP3 are balling right now. Uh, but yeah. then you got you know, like John Morant on the uh, the Grizzlies, who was a stud. Uh, Golden State's had a really good revival. And then you got... Um, J- Jazz can play. Jazz Jazz are looking... They're curr- Jazz are currently up 1-0 over the Mavericks, which is surprising because Luka, yeah. Luka, Don- Luka Doncic is one of the best players in the NBA right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm still I'm still taking the, the Suns to win this conference. And potentially go all the way. I feel like there's a really bad taste in their mouths after losing last year. Yeah, I mean, I think they're the hottest team in the NBA. I mean, record-wise, they're the best team in the NBA. Um, I just think that they, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think that they have a bitter taste in the mouth after losing. I think last year they also just kind of came in. They just came in at an unfortunate time because Giannis was just on. Giannis was on a whole, whole different level last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He he was he was unreal in the finals last year. Uh, so I think that that's really that's, that's really going to be the kicker to get them all the way this year. So I'm t- I'm taking Suns, and, I, and it's just, I'm I'm not even a Suns fan. I'm a Spurs fan. We didn't we didn't even make it to the dance. And don't feel bad. I'm a Magic fan, and yeah, um, yeah. I think we were almost next to last in the East. Pretty nice. Uh, yeah. So that's that, that's 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 what we're looking at as far as the, as the NBA playoffs go. We'll definitely keep you updated as far as that goes along. And that's gonna do it for the wonderful world of sports. Now we now move on to trailer talk. Got a couple things to talk about today. Got to get up my list here. Uh, first one, first one we're talking about is for Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank. Now, <laughs> seeing this trailer was a shock to me, just because I never felt I, I never felt like we would actually see the kind of fruition. Because this is movie's been supposed to come out for almost a decade. Yeah, I saw this. I saw this trailer right before Sonic. I did too. That's why. I, that's yeah. how I knew him. It's like, oh fuck, they actually did. They actually did make this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So apparently, loosely based on Blazing Saddles. I don't know how that works, but okay. Uh, in which a uh, young dog named Hank, voiced by uh, Michael Sarah, is training the way of the samurai by his mentor Jimbo when a villainous cat wants to destroy their village. Uh, has features a voice cast includes Michael Sarah, Samuel L. Jackson, Ricky Gervais, Mel Brooks, George Takei, Gabriel Iglesias, Jamon Hansu, Michelle Yao, because guys, guys, the kids. Um, and his, 
Uh, and it's directed by, co-directed by Rob Minkoff, who direct, who's one of the directors on The Lion King. Uh, so, Russell, what do you think of the trailer for Positive Fury, Legend of Hank? I thought it looked funny. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson voicing a, you know, a, a, a cartoon character is kind of funny, too. Um, yeah, I mean, Ella, Ella liked, I mean, Ella liked it fine. I liked it okay. I mean, it looks okay. I mean, you didn't say it because you know you're going to have to go see it anyway. Well, that too, and it's it's a, pretty much a lock on that. But um, yeah, I mean, I thought it looked okay. I mean, your typical, you know, comedic, you know, yeah. And Michael Sarah's voice does not change. Wait, am I, re- am I reading this right? This is, I think it says here that it's supposed to be released on Netflix in North America. Okay, and again, maybe I'm not a surprise if that even goes that route too. Uh, but yeah, so it looks like this. I don't. I don't think the trailer's gonna release it, did it? Um, not that I know of, but I thought we're, what we see in the theater is going to come out, obviously, in theatrical release, you know? Yeah, I, th- I thought so, too, but the thing we're seeing right here says that it's going to be uh, distributed via Netflix, so maybe not. What a letdown, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I demand to see Pause of Fury. You showed this trailer in a theater? I'm going to see this damn movie in a theater. It's like when I said turning, like turning, turning red trailer, I'm just like, no, I demand yeah. to see this on the big screen. This is not what we signed up for, and this is not what you presented. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> this is the thing that actually happened. It's, we'll be coming to maybe a big screen or a small screen near you very soon. Next thing we're talking about is... Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I was looking at the... <laughs> I was looking at those for a different, for a different movie. This Positive Fury is going to be released July 15th, 2022. <laughs> not, not, on, not on Netflix. Not on Netflix. There you go. You can, you can see this on the big screen. That's where we need the uh, the sound. Uh. <laughs> one that one that is going to Netflix is Operation Mincemeat. Uh, it's going to Netflix. It's going to Netflix in the North American and Latin American countries. Um, this basically depicts the events of World War of the Second World War plan, Operation Mincemeat, a deception effort to keep plans for the Allied invasion of Sicily secret. Uh, it's a British film directed by John Madden, uh, which was a shock to me. Uh, you know, Shakespeare in Love's own John Madden uh, hasn't—he hasn't really directed a ton uh, since then. I mean, like he's directed, he's directed movies, but like nothing, nothing that like you know really you would know about unless you like really looked into it. The biggest thing yeah. that he's done since what best best exotic Marigold Hotel. Yeah, and that wasn't even that big, but it was still a theatrical release. Yeah, uh, but this is a business movie he's doing with uh, Colin Firth, Matthew McFadden, Kelly McDonald. Penelope Wilton, Johnny Flynn, and Jason Isaacs. Uh, so, Russell, what do you think of the trailer for uh, Operation Mincemeat? I liked it. I um, I had a laugh, though. I'm like, boy, Colin Firth loves these types of films. Um, obviously, 1917 and just different things. You know, anything with, like, you know, way back in the day, he is your guy that he will uh, he'll absolutely play anything. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, it looks fine. I think it looks like a really good movie, though. It looks kind of oscar baity. A little bit, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have an. Oscar I felt like it. it doesn't have an Oscar-friendly release date because it's coming out no. in uh, May uh, on Netflix. But yeah, I, I can definitely see that uh, that happening. So, uh, you know, if it's really if it's really good, it, it could stand could stand that test of time. Uh, and yeah, this is for release, like I said, May of 2022. Uh, next show we're talking about is for Crimes of the Future. This is a new David Cronenberg uh, body horror film. Uh, this is actually. We only just heard about this as as is premiering at Cannes and gonna be premiering at Cannes in May of twenty twenty two. And features a cast that includes Vigo Mortensen, Leah Sidhu, and Kristen Kristen Stewart. 
Uh, this is Cronenberg. What's the last thing Cronenberg directed? I think it was might have been Cosmopolis. Maps of the Stars. That's it. Um, but yeah, this is a guy who is kind of just made his made his like, eating his lunch like the you know, smaller indie circuit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, directed some excellent films like The Fly, The Dead Zone, uh, History of Violence, Eastern Promises. This guy who directed, I'm like actually a really big fan of. So Russell, what do you think? What do you think the trailer for? Of the future, uh, definitely Cronenberg, uh, Cronenberg esque. Um, I, I absolutely would not put Crash on my, um, you know, from the director of because Crash was absolute dog shit. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, it, it this looks good. I, I'm curious yeah, enough, obviously, with like, Kristen Stewart. Did you see that? Yeah, from the director. I'm like, dude, don't brag about that. That movie is fucking atrocious, and it's not, and people aren't going to associate that with the Oscar winning movie. Crash. They're gonna. That's what they're gonna think. Not the other. The sex and car cra- crashes and stuff. Um, but yeah, no. I um. You know, Viggo Mortensen. You know, Kristen Stewart. I'm curious enough. It, it looks okay. But I mean, we didn't get a whole lot out of it. But definitely weird. Definitely Cronenberg esque. So uh, yeah, I'm curious enough. Yeah, from the director of Dead Ringers and from the director of The Fly, the director of Existence. <laughs> Uh, but you lead it off with Crash. That's dog shit. That's an awful movie. Not not nothing to brag about, man. And it's going to be released wide in sometime in June of 2022. And the last show we're talking about today, this is for our series. This is the big one. We finally get our first official look at one I mean, first full length look at Stranger Things 4. Uh, so it's going to be the long, long, long-awaited fourth season of the hit Netflix show. Uh, this one will be seeing, uh, you know, we'll be seeing all Harry characters return to fight another villain from the Upside Down. Uh, um, but unlike the first three seasons, this one's going to be released in two part in two volumes. Uh, first volume is going to be released in May May twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. It's going to be con- it's going to consist of uh, I believe five episodes. And second, the second volume is going to be the last four. It's going to be released in July first uh, of twenty twenty two. So, Russell, what do you think of the first trailer for Stranger Things four? Um, if you're not a fan of Journey, you're crazy because I like the way they intru- you know put throw that song in there. Um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 on board. Um, it's been you know forever since we've seen uh, Stranger Things, and obviously. Nice to see Hopper back. I don't think anybody thought he was dead, <laughs> but I, I, uh, I thought he was dead. Really, I I was like, there, there's no way in hell they're gonna kill this guy. Um, like, but yeah, no, I'm. Would have made sense. I don't. I'm not, I'm not sure. I agree with the decision to keep him alive, but I think it would have made sense. But uh, no, I'm looking forward to it. I think you know you and I could both agree. Definitely, uh, you know, Netflix gold, and uh, looking forward to um, how they break it up. So that that'll be fun too. Um, you get a little bit, what, in, was it a little bit in May, a little bit in July? Yeah. Yeah, that, that'll be fun, though. It'd be funny if they did, because he's only nine episodes, if they did half of the fifth episode in May and the other half of July. Yeah, that'd be actually, yeah, go four and a half and then do the other four. This son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be fun. That'd actually be a really cool idea, though. Well, because I, I think they're kind of learning from the, you know, the Disney or the HBO's way of doing things, and that's that. Well, that's that's kind of that. If you release it all at once, it's a big deal for like you know a week, two weeks, and then it's forgotten about. Whereas like you know, look look at something like Wandavision, 
where like that was relevant for like months because they rolled it out every single week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's, I think that's a really interesting release strategy. I'm excited to see. Uh, I'm excited to see this this season. <laughs> Looks like we're really ramping up something special. We got our first look at Robert England's first look at you know this new upside down villain. I in another Dungeons and Dragons something, but I did, forgot what because I also just don't play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> but yeah, uh, then that is set for a release on. Uh, like I said, uh, first part May, second part July of 2022. That's going to do it for Trailer Talk. We now move on to Notorious News. First thing we are talking about today, uh, we got to talk about this. Rest in peace, Mr. Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, comedian who was mo- most well-known for his distinctive voice. And this is what I'll say about the guy. <laughs> most, most known for his voice, which is why he got a lot of uh, work as a uh, you know, voicing animated characters, but the thing that I liked about Godfrey is the fact that you know because of his because of his distinct vocals, he had the ability to just make anything funny, like yeah. literally anything and everything the dude could make just hysterical. That's a quality like not a lot of comedians have. No, definitely not. With I mean the voice, uh, just his. I mean you can even see his face like scrunching down trying to do that stuff like you know obviously he was funny and problem child uh, uh i've heard a lot of good things about the 2017 documentary gilbert's um yeah, I've heard that too. so one i definitely want to check out um obviously most well known for iago i guess for uh latin I, I would say by far Yeah, which is really crazy. What did it? What did they say? What was the cause of death? Uh, ventricular tach- tachycardia. Huh. It's it, it, it's a heart condition. Oh boy, okay, well, that's that's unfortunate though. It is, it is unfortunate. One of the guys, you know, like, there's tons of the actors we, we talk about, and we kind of feel like we kind of take them for granted until you know we see something like this happen. Where it's like, damn. Like it's that that, that really that really sucks. Uh, yeah. Way, uh, Mr. Godfrey, uh, you will, you will not be you will not be forgotten, and our hearts go out to your family. Uh, first th- now uh, with the rest of the news. First thing we're talking about. Uh, now the despite the fact that he already has uh, left the academy, Will Smith uh, the academy has made a decision regarding Will Smith. And it turns out he is now banned from any Oscars and any Academy events for the next 10 years. Crazy. Which we all heard that we're just like, God damn, 10 years? I mean, that's, that's crazy. I, I mean, that's like a really, really harsh sentence. A little excessive. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's also just a thing where it's just like, I just, it, just feels, it just feels unnecessary. Funniest thing is he can still win an Oscar. That would be funny, though. Yeah, 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 he can still win an Oscar, despite the fact that he's now banned. He can't, he can't go up and take it, but he can still win one. Uh, but yeah, It'd no, definitely I, be funny though if that happened. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like a, a ban, you know, like ban him for like a couple, a couple of years, sure, but like maybe like the next like two or three, but ten, ten is excessive. Do you think I feel like that. Do you think I feel like this is going to end up getting dropped lower. Yeah, but I say, do you think they'll actually follow through with all ten years? 
there's no way in hell. I'm not at Will Smith. And it wasn't like, you know, uh, John Doe or whatever went up there and did. I mean, he's a, a notable, obviously a notable actor. He won an Academy Award this year. You know what I mean? He's a huge face of Hollywood. I really don't think, um, you know, I, I really don't think there's a little It'd be funny if uh, it, 10 years from now that he actually hosts the Oscars. That would be absolutely hilarious. Wouldn't it be funny if it co co-hosts Chris Rock? Oh, shit. There you go. <laughs> Doubt this this band lasts the entire ten years, but that's, that's what it is right now. Yeah. Uh, next thing we're talking about, we gotta talk about some box office stuff. Uh, first of which, Sonic has absolutely flourished. Sonic Two has absolutely flourished at the box office, which again, kind of wild. We we keep bringing it up, but it is just wild how <laughs> just how much this how well these are doing and how good these movies are and how much people like them. Despite the fact that the trailers did not start that way. No, I mean, and, and now you're going to have a franchise on top of it. Like, if you would have told me that first trailer that we got uh, would have then set up a franchise and that the franchise was actually going to be successful, it would have been crazy. But yeah, uh, open to a grand total of $71 million, making it the highest opening for any video game movie ever. Which is just, it's just wild. Because yeah, it's, it's completely the power, crazy. The power of word of mouth, the power of you know uh, playing to not only the child market but the but the market of the fans. Because you know there's a lot in this in the Sonic movie that like is for Sonic fans. Oh, for sure. Uh, which yeah, I do like. And you know, now we're getting now we're getting uh, now we're getting more Sonic. Uh, uh, three was already greenlit before this movie even came out. Uh, we're getting the Knuckles series on Paramount Plus, which I'm actually, after seeing the movie, I'm actually really looking forward to. Oh, yeah, because Knuckles is really, I mean, I think we talked about last episode. Knuckles is fantastic in the film. Uh, really good character, really brightens that whole entire, uh, you know, Sonic and Tails. And then, the, obviously, the uh, addition of uh, Knuckles pretty sweet. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, while Sonic is doing well, Morbius had a disastrous second weekend. No, and not just a bad second weekend. A disastrous second weekend. Uh, it, it, Morbius now holds the record for the highest second weekend percentage drop of any Marvel movie in history. What was the uh, drop? Uh, 74%. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. And keep in mind, it already, it already didn't open that well to begin with. Now, Russell, I'm going to challenge you for a second. I want you to see if you can name the other four films that are below Morbius as far as you know, the top five uh, worst second weekends for a Marvel Mar movie. Uh, we'll go Fantastic Four. Actually, no. Really? All right, let's go. Uh, what about uh, what about Ang Lee's Hulk? That is number three. Good job. Okay, let's go. Uh, oh, definitely, definitely got to put Ghost Rider, the second Ghost Rider. Really? That movie's all... Okay, so Ang Lee, Bat, Second Drug, Electra? Number four. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of bad Marvel movies. Uh, how about P Punisher uh, Warzone? No. No? Um, all right, so we got Hulk. We got... Uh, Electra. How about Daredevil? No. 
No. Huh. These are all older ones, I would assume, have the big drops. Actually, there is one newer one. One newer one that would have a huge drop? Yeah. Marvel. Fuck. Eternals? No. Okay. Um, man, I feel like I'm getting cold here now. Uh, there's been so damn many of these movies. Um, I'm just trying to think here. So not fantastic. None of the Fantastic Four films. Not even the the yep. the okay. Oh man, can I have a hint? A little hints. Both these films are from the same franchise. Both of the films are from the same franchise. What about Spider-Man Three? The two, yeah, the two you're missing both are both in the same franchise. Spider-Man Three is not one of them. Okay. Uh I'm trying to think of some bad movies, Chance. I feel like that's my that's my. Oh, what about uh, Amazing Spider-Man? Two. No. Okay. Man, I'm gonna really kick myself in the head here. Give me, give me the, give me one of them. I'll get you. I'll, I'll probably get the other one then. All right. So the number, f- the number five is X Men Origins Wolverine. Oh fuck! I wasn't even thinking about that X Men Origin. Okay. Uh, then the other one would be uh, X Men Apocalypse. Actually, no. Really? Okay. Uh, what about um, uh, X Three then? Uh, uh, X Men United or whatever. Yep. Their last stand that would be. Yep. No. X-Men Origin, Wolverine. I don't know. What the hell would the other one be? Uh, the former champion uh, that Morbius dethroned, Dark Phoenix. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking of that. Okay, so it owns now. Morbius is now the number one biggest drop-off. Yep. Wow. Yeah, uh, Dark Phoenix dropped off 72% from, from Weekend 1 to Weekend 2. Morbius dropped and, off 74 Morbius was so much better than X Men Wolverine Origin, though. I thought. Yeah, come on, Wolverine X Men Origin Wolverine's awful. It's it's pretty bad. Morbius is also really bad too. Point is, dark. Okay, point point is, uh, now something like 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 Venom. I think Sony, at this point, should really reevaluate what they're doing right now. Just because you know. Like 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 Venom. Like despite the fact that Venom did well, Venom had legs. Morbius is not. Well, well, he doesn't have legs anyway, right? He has no legs anyway. Ah, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but uh, you know, I think that they need they need to really reevaluate how they're approaching these movies now. And look, Craven's going to be a big test because Craven is already shooting right now. They can't pull the plug on that. It's too late. Uh, I feel like if Craven doesn't do well. I think this. I think the universe is gonna be dead. A lot of pressure. We'll see what happens. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think the pre- the pressure is on, and, and it sucks. But you know, this is where we are. Pressure is on for Craven. It is on hard, and I'm pretty sure right now. If that movie tanks, look, we are not getting. We're not getting Madam Web. We're not getting any of these other movies, and they're just gonna just scrap it all, start over. Hmm. I feel, like, I feel like it's the only way they can go because, like, like it's, not, it's not like the people. It's not like people love these movies either. Unless we get the dark universe back, you know. Oh, if we get if we get that back. No one's no talking about the stuff. The Sony Marvel universe anymore. <laughs> Dude, I was I was down. I was ready to go after the mummy. I was ready. Let's go. I was ready to go, but I didn't know where we're going. Just like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what are we doing again? I'm like, uh, all right, let's uh, let's let's just get to the second movie out to get the other one out, the other bad taste out of your mouth, and then we're like, nope, we're just we've seen enough. Funny, funny. Funny thing is, like they they already had like sets built for the next one. 
Remember, they did that huge thing on Entertainment Weekly, man. Yeah. That huge like spread about like they, this was like a huge thing. This was going to happen, no, you know. I think it was actually Vanity Fair. Not or was that Vanity Fair? I thought it was Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, they did that picture where it was like Javier Bardem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Johnny Depp, and the picture where like none of them were in the same room. No, absolutely not. Yeah, they did a picture. It's going to happen. Yeah. Well, one day maybe we'll see. <laughs> I'm speaking of box office. We gotta talk about the ticket sales for Doctor Strange. Uh, so Doctor Strange tickets have uh, Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness tickets have already gone on sale. And okay, this sounds this sounds more impressive than it actually is. It currently has the highest 24-hour ticket sale of any movie in 2022. Would you look at what the fuck's come out in 2022? Exactly. <laughs> the only yeah. thing that could have possibly beat it is the Batman. Yeah. Not a lot of tentpole films, but I do think that it is, it is an encouraging sign for the box of Doctor Strange. Uh, considering that he's basically, like, as far as comics go, he's a D-list character. Yeah, yeah, but I, yeah, but and, and that's the fun part, though. Like, that's the thing I've always said I liked about Doctor Strange is the fact that he's not like a huge, big character like your Spider-Man, your Iron Man, or anything like that. And I think this is really cool that he's able to pull that much uh, box office leverage you know what i mean i think it does it does say a lot yeah but i do want to talk about this because you know people are amped to see this they want to see like what kind of crazy shit's going on here so i want to pose a question right now do you again we have no context to this at all <laughs> we're just going off the 24-hour ticket sales do you think dr strange the multiverse of madness will break a billion dollars if you had to, if you had to guess right now With the hype on it yeah i i, I will say yeah yeah, I'm, I'm going to echo this. I think, I think that has got a lot of hype, got a lot of mystery yeah. surrounding it. And I feel like people are going to want to turn out to see what is happening. So, yes, I am also, I am in agreement. I do think it would also break a billion dollars. But, yeah, well, yeah we will see when the movie opens uh, May 5th, 2022. Uh, speaking of... Well, speaking of MCU actors, but uh, actually there are, two, there are two in this franchise now I think about it. Uh, Fast 10 has gotten its newest cast member in the form of one I never thought would ever associate with this franchise. Brie Larson is joining yeah. Fast and Furious. She's joining family. She's joining the family. <laughs> we got everybody's, everybody's in the family, man. Yeah, so uh, no idea who she's going to be playing. What's it gonna be? I feel like she's got to be like some kind of government agent. Or Jer- Jordana Brewster's long-lost sister, maybe? I don't know. Sure. Make her, make her, make her another Toretto sister because they just, yeah. they just come out of nowhere for some reason. Yeah, because John, you know, John Cena and Vin Diesel look alike. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, Brie could totally be his sister. Absolutely, you know? Uh, but, yeah, so uh, what do you think about Brie Larson being in the newest addition to the Fast, uh, the Fast Saga? I mean, great actress, sure, why not? I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, again, someone who I thought would never associate with this franchise, but never thought I'd see Hal Mirror associate with this franchise either, but here we are. <laughs> Never thought I'd see Charlie Theron in here. I mean, you can go on and on. Yeah, Kurt Russell. Never thought I'd see him do this. Ronda Rousey, man, she's part of the family. Well, for for a very brief. For a for a small moment, but still, nonetheless. For a very fa- brief moment. Family. She was, she was family. <laughs> she was family briefly. Very briefly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is going to. Uh, we're gonna see how that comes out. I don't know if she's gonna be both fast, fast, various part part fast ten part one. And two are just part one, but we'll see when it comes out. I believe it's set. It's uh, I believe it's set, set for next year. 
I think so. I would I would imagine it's not coming out this year. Okay, but he's definitely not coming out this year. It is yeah, May May nineteenth, twenty twenty three. Yeah. God, they had two Oscar winners in that movie. Craziness. That's fucking wild. All right, all right, whatever. Anyways. Uh next piece we were talking about. Uh Russell, what's a story you associate with Halloween? Halloween the movie? No, no, no. Halloween the holiday. A story? A store. Oh, a store. Oh, it's, I know exactly where we're going with this one. That's the, uh, the fucking, uh, the only, the only store. What is that? The, uh, Spirit, Spirit Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, of course. Well, there is a Spirit Halloween movie in the works. Oh, yeah. Now you think, what now? Was it going to be like the origin of Spirit Halloween? No. <laughs> it's going to be a, uh, Goonies-like, uh, family adventure movie. Uh, when a spirit Halloween store opens near a deserted strip mall, three middle school friends who think they've outgrown trick-or-treating make a dare to spend locked inside the store Halloween nights. But they soon find out the store is haunted by an angry evil spirit who's possessed a creepy animatronic character. It uh, sounds like a Goosebumps in, movie. Kids embark on a thrilling but spooky adventure in order to survive the night before becoming possessed, possessed themselves. Uh, already, feature, uh, already got a cast that includes Christopher Lloyd and Rachel Lee Cook. Uh, I think I think the idea of Spirit Halloween movie is actually it's actually <laughs> a good idea just because you know there's there's there are spirits everywhere. Well, yeah, that and I mean this store, I mean this franchise is very relevant. It's everywhere yeah, during it's, Halloween time. It's, so yeah, I mean I think it's it makes it fun. It's basically like standard Halloween iconography. Yeah, I mean now for sure, absolutely. Um, the last several years, and they just keep popping up everywhere. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm down. I I love Halloween, so whatever. I'm I'm, the more the merrier. Yeah, uh, this is aiming for release October 2022. So they're getting they're getting to work on this quick. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, next, we we're talking about uh, Percy Jackson, the series for Disney, has found its lead. Uh, this uh, the series is going to star uh, Walker Scobell. Uh, who played the young version of, uh, of Ryan Reynolds in the Adam Project? Have you seen that yet? I have not. Neither have I. Okay. Uh, so yeah, he's going to be taking over the lead role, of Percy Jackson. I haven't even read the books. This is this is, this is a franchise that I'm admittedly not very familiar with. But I have seen reaction from a lot of people who are familiar with this, and they say and they seem to think he's a good pick. And apparently, he's okay. also he's, he's also a big fan because they released a still of like him. Finding out he's being cast, he's wearing a Camp Half Blood shirt, which is from the books. So uh, I think that he's—I don't necessarily think you have to be a fan of whatever you're doing, but I do think that it helps. I do think that you know it adds some personal stakes, adds some personal pressure, but not in a bad way. Just in this way that, like, you know, you know what it takes to pull this character off, so you, you're gonna you know, do what it takes to get there. So yeah, uh, I've, I've, um, maybe he's good. I don't know. I haven't seen the Adam Project. I plan on watching it at some point. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely interested to see how that turns out. Just because, yeah, I think the content of the Percy Jackson is interesting. I'm excited. I'm excited for the fans who love this franchise that you know they're getting their proper adaptation. Because apparently the, movie, the movies weren't it. Yeah. Uh, news out of cans. There's going to be a new David Lynch film premiering. Oh Maybe. shit. Maybe we don't know. So the uh, news broke that there was going to be a new David Lynch film with Laura Dern in either a cameo or a supporting role. Don't know why it's either one. Of, I don't know why it's either one of the two. 
but uh, David Lynch came out and said that's not true. So I don't know what to believe. Uh, I feel like if David Lynch, I feel like he would do something like this. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen anything since what Inland Empire. I think was his last movie. The last movie he ever did. Yeah, and it was with Laura Dern, who he just loves putting in his films. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I would love to see a new David Lynch film. I would be down absolutely. Far too long. I mean, we got Twin Peaks. Twin, the, the Twin Peaks Return been like a, like an eighteen-hour David Lynch movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what do you think about? You know, uh, you know, I I wasn't curious to see like you know, with all like the, the, the guerrilla tactics of filming right now. I think he, he could totally pull the movie out of, his, out of his ass. Oh, for sure. I mean, and he has probably so many ideas floating in that you know that eccentric head of his. You know, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I'm sure he can put something out. when and if this movie is real and actually happens. Uh, we got some news coming out of the Peacock front as far as you know, streaming goes. Uh, first of which is going to be a Casper series. Uh, it's going to be a new uh, Casper live action series that explores you know, sort of ghost, ghost origin and uh, relationship with a young girl. Kind of like, like the movie. Did you ever see the movie? I did. I I was big fan of the movie. It came out when a perfect time to ninety five. I was uh, twelve, so that was like perfect for me. I, I loved, you know, Christina Ricci, Devin Sawa. I thought it was just a, such a fantastic little film, and uh, yeah, I really, really big fan of that one. I need to watch. I guess I need to watch that because I, I, I remember I, I saw it when I was a kid, but I hadn't seen it in like the longest time. Oh, dude, you and me both, man. It's been a long time. Like I said, though, I grew up watching it, so I'll probably. I feel like that—that's what we do, though. Like the movies that we grew up watching, we defend more. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, totally down. Uh, I think that's a—it lends itself well to a uh, series. About the Casper reboot set in a high school and follows the affable ghosts as he unravels the deadly truths that have been buried for over a hundred years. Where a new family comes to the little town of Ethereal of Eternal Falls. I'm sorry. Uh, nowhere on who's been cast in the, the series, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what's going on there. Another thing coming to the Peacock front is a new Ted series. Uh, Ted, based on the 2012 comedy directed by Seth MacFarlane. Uh, this will be taking place in the 80s. It'll basically follow John and Ted during their teenage years. Uh, I assume Seth MacFarlane is going to come back to voice to voice the character of Ted. Although he doesn't have to, that's the thing, because like I guess like his point where he has like his 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 voice drops. Um but the, they have they have a cast of the younger version of Mark Wahlberg's character. As well as uh Yeah, okay, McFarland will be reprising the role of Ted. I think take place in the nineties, not the eighties. Uh so what do you think of the idea of a Ted series? I mean, I'm done. I like the two movies. Obviously, the first one's way better than the second one, but uh, yeah, I mean, I would be down for sure. Why not? Yeah, I think the, I think the concept is absolutely funny. And yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of Ted 2, but I do uh, think that yeah, may, maybe the switch to a series could aid this in a way. Yeah. Uh, and last thing on the Peacock front is that we're getting a new Ryan Johnson series uh this is going to be this is going to be called poker face no more what it's going to be about but uh we have uh we do it's going to be apparently a new mystery series 
uh, is going to be led by Natasha Leone, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and uh, Stephanie Sue. Kasue? I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name. Uh, the uh, girl from Everything Everywhere All at Once, who is fantastic in that film. Glad, I'm glad she's getting to do more stuff. Uh, but yeah, what do you think of a Ryan Johnson series? Because you know, he's worked. You know, he's worked on television. He did. He has read episodes of Breaking Bad. Did the maybe the best episode of Breaking Bad. One of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. Uh, this is him actually doing like television. So, what, 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 what do you think? Does that does that excite you? Because I, I know you're not a Peacock subscriber. Which you don't have to, you don't have to be, to be fair. You don't not have to be. You can watch like, a lot of the content for free. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about uh a, do you think about this Ryan Johnson series? No, I mean it definitely you have a lot of, you know, good uh, talent surrounded with it. Obviously, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's a very talented. Um yeah, I mean I, I would watch it. It sounds fascinating enough. You know, with the with the crew of people that you got. Yeah, I mean I'd watch it. So we'll see when that premieres on Peacock. Peacock's really trying to, you know, amp up their original content, which I do, I do, I do like. I do, I do like they're trying to you know, compete with the bigger streaming services, and this is how, this is how you do it. This is where these battles are won: yeah, original content. And as far as you know, that goes. I mean, you have you, know, you have Netflix, you have Prime, you got Disney Plus. The rest is pretty wide open because I, I don't think I don't think HBO Max content, original content, is all that great. Yeah. You have your standouts. You get you, know, you have Peacemaker. You have Station Eleven. Outside of that, though, I can't think of a lot that. Uh, that they have that I would go back to. Uh, next piece you're talking about is uh, the WB Discovery merger has officially finalized. And one of the big pieces of all that came out is that they're going to be looking to restructure uh, their DC properties. Uh, they trying to focus on smaller Joker-esque properties, which I... I, I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> Just, I, don't need, I don't need like the real gritty... Hard-boiled, you know, making a statement superhero movie, that, and, and that's all we get now. But I do think the idea is, you know, make smaller movies just so we can maximize profit. Uh, however, I do think that we're also trying to, you know, overhaul a lot of things that people just maybe are not big fans of. Like, I feel like Ezra Miller's done in this franchise now. Yeah, I mean, I, all signs would point to that. Uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, there's a possibility that Ezra could be gone, please. Um, but... We're not. We're still not getting Man of Steel two. Don't even ask Russell. Man of Steel two has to happen, man. Come on. It's not enough. <laughs> not under this regime. But yeah, <laughs> uh, is, there, is there besides Man of Steel two? Is there is there anything that you can think of that you would want to see? You know, this come out of this new regime. I mean, outside of that, no. I, I or I, I would just like to see another you know Superman movie in general. You know, what I mean, if if we don't do Man of Steel two, you know, what I mean, I just want to see another Superman film. Um... Yeah, I mean, there's uh, really not a whole lot that I, I mean, want to see outside of Superman. Really, I mean, I wouldn't mind anything. Put out anything, you know what I mean? Yeah, I wonder is Walter Hamada still overseeing D- DC Pictures? Okay, yeah, he's 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 still president. He's still president of DC. Uh, and so, you know, I feel like this is going to be like a big testing ground testing ground for him because you know he's doing pretty well. I mean, Wonder Man Four sucks, but whatever. Uh, you know, Joker did Joker did well for him. Shazam did well. Uh, Batman's Batman is crushing it right now. Uh, you know, Black Adam, Black Adam's looking looking really good. You got Batgirl coming out allegedly this year. Uh, so I, th- I think that they're trying to maybe like maybe unify, maybe you know, less confused because like, it's 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 pretty messy because you have like several different, several different franchises 
all going on at the same time. Movie continuity is a little tough to follow, although I do think audiences are smart enough at this point that they can get it. It's like, oh, this is not in this continuity, so we're cool, we're cool like that. But yeah, yeah, I think I think it's be curious to see you know how how exactly DC gets overhauled in a way. Uh, next thing we're talking about, uh, Magic Mike Three is heating up both physically and literally. Uh, Salma Hayek has just joined the cast. Uh, she's playing a role that was originally meant for Tandy Wayne Newton, but she had to drop out. So Salma Hayek is stepping in. Uh, I believe Soderbergh is coming back to direct this one, uh, but Channing Tatum come back to star. Magic Mike's last dance. Uh, so what do you think of uh, Salma Hayek joining Magic Mike 3? Sure. I at this, I, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, some hacks. I mean, I, I love her in majority of anything she does. I mean, I mean, it's, you know, it's some hack. Sure. I mean, I can't believe we're doing another Magic Mike movie, but yeah. Eh, Vegas. Vegas. Maybe they'll be fighting off the uh, dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Let's do it. Uh, next we you're talking about, uh, there's a John Lennon biopic in the works. Uh, which initially sounds okay, pretty good. Could be, could be interesting, but uh, we find out that this is going to be from the writer uh, Anthony Mc- Anthony McCartan or Anthony. I think it's Anthony McCartan. Let me double check. Uh, bottom line, it's from the writer of Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh boy. Yeah. Just like, oh, John Lennon biopic. Cool. Oh, crap. Yeah. I'll see myself out. <laughs> no, I think. <laughs> It, 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 it is McCartan. Okay. Just because, okay, and here's the thing. I think John Lennon led a very interesting life. And here's the thing. We already got a pretty damn good John Lennon biopic. Nope, Nowhere Boy, uh, starring Aaron Taylor Johnson, which is actually like really good. It looks it takes, it takes primarily at John Lennon's early life. Uh, it's actually like a really great perspective of like, you know, his mental states and you know, what, made, what made John Lennon who he was. I think, I think it was a fascinating approach to it. I'm, Russ, I can already tell. I can already tell you exactly what this is going to be. It's yeah. going to be a two-hour bullshit fest. That's yeah. a celebration of the beat, a masturbatory celebration of the Beatles and Beatles music. Which I love the Beatles. I don't want them to get the Beatles treatment because I think it's fucking boring. It's boring and yeah, interesting. And then all this stuff happens at once, at one day, where it would not be plausible to happen all in one day. But, uh, sure. Yeah, I feel like this is a bad, this is a bad combination. But, yeah, could be wrong. We'll see. And last story we're talking about today, this is the one that's going to get us big hype. Uh, it is reported that, the, that Adam Sandler and the Safdie brothers are teaming on another film. Uh, the Safdie Brothers, who of course directed Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems, uh, haven't really been announced to be directing or writing anything since. Uh, but uh, I mean, you and I are both massive fans of Uncut Gems, and I think that them teaming up with Sandler again could just leave. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know. My blood pressure can take it, but I'm excited to see. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely down. I love Un- Uncut Gems. I think it's, you know, really Sandler at his best. I mean, you know, serious acting-wise. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm absolutely down. You know, they really brought the best out of him in Uncut Gems and looking forward to see what they do uh, with their next project together. That's going to do it for Notorious News. We now move on to our movie of the week. That is 
2011. And honestly, this is, my, this is my first time actually watching it in full since theaters. You know what? This would be my first time watching it in full since I saw it for the first time. It wasn't in theaters, but yeah, first time having uh, saw it for, for the first time. So yeah, really nice to revisit this one. Well, like, the reason I watched it in theaters is because uh, my brother was, like, came out time he was, he was in T-ball, and his team okay. was the Athletics. Fun fact about that, my very first baseball team I was on, we were the A's. Yeah, we were the A's, and um, I don't think we um, – I, yeah, I believe we didn't win one game at all that, that season. We lost every game. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Moneyball came out. It was, it was a critical and commercial smash. Uh, I mean, not a smash, but it, it made money. Uh, but it was also touted as being one of the best movies of that particular year. Uh, both for its accuracy and its actual in, uh, examination of the base baseball as a business. Uh, so how does so you know what is it what does it get right? How does it work? And you know what what does this say about the larger sport of baseball? We're gonna get into it. This is Moneyball. Uh, so we open with actual first thing I that to do is that I love the, how they cut in real life footage uh, with the actual movie, and even like, even like you know they'll occasionally cut to like Rick real game footage. A real TV broadcast, and there's, there's, there are times where I like that to like put actors into it, and it doesn't feel like fake. No, uh, and I like when they do that, like when they bring the real, you know what I mean, the real stuff to to the table. None of that, uh, you know. I mean, they could easily have gone the route where you know fake it, but I like throwing the. Uh, it, it just makes them way more authentic. Yeah, so it really starts off with the A's, with the uh, A's losing the AL divisional series. To the New York Yankees, uh, New York Yankees being one of you know having a budget of 110 million plus. Meanwhile, the A's are going on like 30 million. Now, this is a thing that people you know, may may or may not understand about baseball. You see, unlike something like football or basketball, where they have this the salary cap, where a salary cap is you, know, you can only spend this much amount of money every season. That way, you don't have like one team just like accruing like all these players and you know like dominating everybody so that's why they have salary caps baseball doesn't run like that the budget of budget of a baseball team money spent is entirely controlled by the owners so you you literally have like these like you have like these rich teams spending like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars every year and they can buy up all these players. Meanwhile, you have like these, like you know, poorer teams, you know, like the Athletics, <laughs> like yeah. like the Orioles. They don't like to spend a lot of money either. <laughs> um, you're coming in and you're just trying to just trying to survive, honestly. But it's really crazy though if you look at it, even look at who's won the World Series. Like, I mean, obviously, obviously last year, yeah, uh, with Atlanta and LA the year before. But I'm saying like other teams that have broken that mold. You know, your Kansas City Royals. You know, your small town teams making not, you know what I mean, not having a huge, uh, you know, cap. Or not even a cap, but a huge, you know, room for for spending and all. You know, what I mean, not your New York Yankees, not your Boston, not your LA, not your, you know what I mean. Um, we have seen some small market teams win the World Series. It's kind of nice to see that. Yeah, it gets a lot harder. They kind of illustrate that in this movie. Oh, yeah. You see how hard it is. Yeah, this movie told from the perspective of the Athletics GM, Billy, uh, Billy Bean, played by Brad Pitt. 
a uh, role that netted him an Oscar nomination. We kind of talked to him, kind of talked about uh, Brad Pitt a bit during our Ocean's Eleven review, uh, which you can go back and watch. But I do want to talk about him again because Brad Pitt, to me, Brad Pitt, I think, is a shining, is a, is a great example of going above and beyond. Uh, he's fantastic in this film. Um, really just embodies the role of Bean and just uh, just really gets it. I think he just really gets it right in this film. And you can see why you know he garnered him an Oscar nomination. He was really, really great in this film. Yeah, and I think like, the interesting thing about Brad Pitt is the fact that this is a guy who could, you know, there are like, actors out there who could like, just, and they, some, some do do this, but like they, he's one of those actors who could just like, coast on their good lucks. Been a star, been like a movie star, been you know, like all romantic comedies, or like fluff films, but they don't do that. It's like you know, they decide to push themselves as actors and like prove like, yeah, be like I'm hot, but I'm also like still great. You know, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, you're for like, sure. You know, Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise or George Clooney or Bradley Cooper, Ryan Gosling, these guys who like could have easily just been like, you know, like Marvel movie star, but they decided to like go the extra mile and be great actors. Uh, even McConaughey, McConaughey be another one who was always in chick flicks, but then switched out. Yeah, McConaughey too. Yeah, McConaughey's like, yeah. you know, stretch him, stretch him. Like McConaughey was one yeah. of the guys. Like, I used to think he was like one of the shittiest actors on the planet. But then, yeah, like, until like, oh, yeah, fuck, no, you're actually like really great. Boy, he hit his Lincoln lawyer uh, stride, and then he just rearview mirror man. Joy won an Oscar, like shit, dude. Like, yeah, um, but yeah. So, as me and Billy being going to ownership, he's asking for more money. Uh, they're not giving it to him. <laughs> the problem is, yeah. Uh, so the question is, how do you compete with all these teams? You know, who are d- especially not again. How do you compete with all these teams who are doing, you know, bringing like these like big money free agents and big money players? Especially when you were losing. This is a time where they were losing. Uh, first of all, Johnny Damon, who was a Johnny player, Damon, Johnny Damon, Jason Giambi, and uh, Ismerhausen. Ismerhausen was a good was a pitcher, I believe. Right? Yeah. Pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and those are huge names because if obviously if you followed baseball, obviously see what they did after their career. Obviously, Damon went to Boston, Giambi to New York. Um, you see what they really did with the back end of their career. I mean, they had really great, you know, great successful careers after leaving the A's. Isringhausen, I don't know. I don't think. Uh, Isringhausen did stuff. He didn't have he didn't have as you know, like longevity. Yeah. Didn't have longevity. A lot of other players in the era. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was he was solid. Yeah, he was he was a solid player for what he for what he was at the time. Oh yeah, I mean, problem, yeah. Problem is like those three are like the core of the team. So, like what? Oh yeah, what should we yeah. do? Yeah, and, like they, they were like they were going to lose them because they couldn't offer them the money that like other teams like Giambi, Giambi got a six year hundred twenty million dollar contract after this season. Yeah, because he yeah, and he went and had I mean that's obviously that netted him huge money in New York. And then uh, Damon obviously went won a World Series with uh, Boston thereafter. I mean, it's and kind of what you said. You know, it's just tough to compete against teams that have that you know have that wallet that deep, their bank uh, you know their banks that that you know that many zeros in their bank account. You know, it's it's tough, man. But you do see the stress that a small market team faces. How do you replace? three integral parts of your team you know i mean that's uh, that would be you know no money yeah i mean that would be a crucifixion for any team i mean you're dead you know yeah another thing that he does really well is like i like the, how it, how it intercuts billy beans his, his own story with the actual events of the film i do like that too yeah because billy bean was he was a player he was a top rated draft prospect but he was a guy. He just he never panned out in the MLB. 
No, um, but he had a shot to go to college. Um, turn that down too, and, and I like how we see that little uh, conversation about um, everybody has like a clock, or your time is up, or you can't play the game anymore. You know what I mean? Um, so he wanted to seize that opportunity, skip college, and go straight. Was it skipping college? Wasn't it yeah, he, going? He had, he had yeah, yeah. Stanford, or could have signed with the Mets. Yeah, and he signed with the Mets. When signed with the Mets, and then I like how we start to see his career, how it unfolded in the MLB. Transition from player to scout to like where he is because, yeah, I mean, he, his, his skills may not translate it to the professional level, but he's a baseball minded guy. Where, like, you see that a lot with like NFL coaches where like maybe they didn't have the player ability, but like they are football guys and they have a fo- football mind. So, like, they do really well in these like leadership positions. So, like, i.e., The Rock, we just talked about the XFL. Yeah. There, there, there's your example. Yeah, so I think that. I, I think that they really do a really good job of fleshing out his character gradually throughout the film. I think that's a really cool aspect of it. No, and I, I do like that. I like that because later on, obviously, we see he just he learns life lessons through this too, though, and I and I do like that because his character really grows throughout this whole entire film. Yeah, it really does. Uh, so he goes to the Indians to try and negotiate some kind of trade, just to do whatever he can. Be then Indians. Hell yeah! Shout out, baby, Mark Shapiro and crew. Uh, yeah, that's and that's where he meets. Uh, I think I think I think he's an analyst. Yeah, he's yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, Peter Brand, played by Jonah Hill, not based on a real guy, based on a guy that Billy Bean knew, kind of like got him into metrics into this whole idea. But uh, he realizes that he's someone who people take advice from, so he wants to get he wants to pick his brand a bit. Yeah. So I think this movie does extremely well. It kind of breaks down. The mentality of, of ownership and the flaws mentality of ownership, like he, and it, it all happens in the scene right here. Well, like he's like, ball clubs think in terms of buying players. That's wrong. They should think in terms of buying wins, and yeah. you buy wins by buying runs. Yeah, and like, and then it breaks it down. We want to buy uh, on base. How often he gets on base? How often does he? You know, what I mean, walk or whatever. How often does he strike out? Not all the, you know what I mean. Not all the face value things that we see that you would you would see is just as an, you know what I mean. Not somebody that's in the nitty gritty. Uh, I like how they break this down. Yeah, and Jonah Hill, a great, great Brad Pitt is Jonah Hill. Holy shit! This is probably one of easily one of his best roles that he's laid out. This is a thing where like. This is one where a performance that caught everybody by surprise because Jonah Hill at this point he was the he was the funny chubby dude, but this one we came out with like holy fuck you're like a, you're a great actor. No, I mean, this this is the showcasing of his career for sure. I think I would put this in his in the serious you know scheme of things. This is his best. Oh, ab- absolutely. This this, yeah. this netted him his his very first Oscar nomination, which is wild to think that Jonah Hill. Super bad own as an Oscar nominee. The Sitters own. The Sitters own Jonah Hill. <laughs> Jonah Hill. Uh, but anyways, so uh, he ends up bringing in, uh, he ends up bringing in uh, Peter to the A's organization, and they start to introduce this idea of what, what's called sabermetrics, which is basically an analytical approach to baseball. It's 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 basically going off of stats to determine the value of players. Uh, like for example, the first player they look at is, oh crap! What, what was the what was the pitcher's name? Who, who are we talking about? Uh, the pitcher who who threw the who threw the ball weird. 
Uh, shit. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. I see him. Um, on a side note, though, this literally came out the same year as The Sitter. Can we just talk about that for a second? Did it really? 2011. I had to check it because I was like, shit, I'm pretty sure The Sitter was right around then. But yeah, 2011, both the same year. Okay, for example, Chad, Chad Bradford is the pitcher. Bradford, that's it, yep. Yeah, uh, he is not being... That's kind of shows like the like how nitty gritty like baseball scouts are. Well, they'll judge you by like you know like how hot your girlfriend is, or which is yeah. If you, if you throw the ball, what you look like if you throw the ball funny, which is why teams don't want to draft him. Yeah, because and then on top of it, they like because they think oh, a hotter girlfriend means he has more confidence and shit like that. Uh, like they really, it, it's really it's really surface. You know what I mean? Uh, super like superficial. But they illustrate how like this this guy is. Like a, like a great a great pitcher, <laughs> but because he throws weird, no one will pick him up. It's a player yeah. that should cost like three million dollars. They're gonna get him for like two hundred, like two hundred thousand. Which which is yeah, uh, which is fucking wild. I mean, he's doing the same exact thing everybody else is doing, throwing from A to B. It doesn't matter how you do it; the ball gets there. Yeah. We also meet the uh, manager of the team, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, Art Howe, Art baby. Howe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No relation. No, no relation. No relation. What a what a what a fucking actor, man. What a fucking actor. Holy shit. Uh, everything he does is he elevates everything he's in. Absolutely. And this one, yeah. he's, he's borderline unrecognizable because I I barely recognize him with like with, with, with his shaved head. Yeah, with shaved head, yeah. But yeah, man, he's he's so he's so fantastic. And, like, he's, he's yeah he's, he's so, sweet. He's so yeah. In, in this movie too. Yeah, Make, makes you miss him, man. It just—it's one of those things where he just—he—he's just great in everything he's in. Yeah. So uh, I love—I love this this scene right here because it's, it's him illustrating like, here's how we're gonna run these things. We're gonna play the—we're gonna—we're gonna play the production of Giambi with three players. Yeah. Uh, with uh, his brother Jeremy Giambi, David. Yeah, Justice, a, che- a cheaper version. David Justice and Scott Hatterberg. Yeah. And. The reason they why do want want these guys they get on base, and that's and that again that is what we're buying runs, which i.e. turn into wins. So that is what we're uh, we're looking at. We're not looking at the fact that Justice is at the back end of his career. Um, we're not looking at that. You know, Jeremy Giambi is nowhere near the you know the slugger that his yeah. brother is. He, he, yeah, like, David Justice may be a little long in the tooth, but he gets on base. Get, and, and that's the key. Maybe a partier. He gets on base. Scott Hatterberg uh, may have some nerve damage in his hand. Can't throw very well, but he get. What does he do? He gets on base. James Velocirafters, Yes. James Velocirafters, too. <laughs> <laughs> on the, that's a side gig he has. A side hustle. Yeah. Uh, well, and Scott Hatterberg is the, is the main, most prominent player character in this film. Um, yeah. We, we meet in the next scene. He's played by Chris Pratt, who. Again, this is also a big departure for him because at the time, like he was doing comedies, he was on Parks and Rec at, at the time of doing this. This is an unrecognizable. I was like, holy shit! It was one of those ones, kind of what you were saying when you first watched it in the theater. This is my first rewatch. I'm like, holy shit! Chris Pratt's in this movie. It was like one of those, yeah, holy shit moments, you know. And this is the thing where, like, and I know people always talk about, you know, Pratt in like a sort of negative way. I honestly wish he would do more movies like this or more, pick more roles like this, maybe more more dramatic work because. I guess, and the people was like, like Pratt's one-dimensional. No, he's not. Watch this. No. Watch. No, this mo- Watch Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. Watch her. This dude is. This dude is so, so good in this movie. Yes. Don't watch Passengers. Watch this movie. 
And I think what works is the fact that, like, you feel that insecurity inside of him. Because he, he doesn't feel like he's worthy of, of playing baseball, you yeah, know? Like, he's, he's this guy who's been, he's been shunned by most organizations in the MLB. He thought he would never get another shot at in the show. But Until, yeah. In comes in this guy who's willing to give him a contract and the shot, which nobody else is willing to do. And to flip, though, he's not even – they're hiring him to play a position he's never played before because he was catcher. His arm shot. All they want him to do is play first base. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think this is – it's a crazy departure for Pratt because, you know, he's been like the action guy, the comedy guy. But I honestly do wish – this movie like this thing would make me wish he would do more dramatic work because he's, he's really good at it. Yeah. Uh, we, also get, we also get some look into Billy Bean's uh, family life. Uh, of course he's divorced. I mean, yeah, duh. Uh, they brought in Robin Wright for literally one scene. This is the only scene we see her in the actual film. It looks fantastic, by the way. She does. And she's married to Spike Jones, which weird. Yeah, the, where the wild things are its own. Her is own, speaking of her, her is own Spike <laughs> Jones. There you fucking have it. There you have it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we see that, you know, trying to, uh, you know, got a bit of a fractal relationship with, with his daughter. I do like the scene the two of them have together. You do that feel that that fatherly bond and you know how he did maybe didn't maybe didn't have like the best relationship with his parents when he when he was growing up. But he kind of wants to just he wants to kind of rectify that with his own daughter. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, we uh, practice practice train training camp is on its way, and we see this team's a bit a bit of a bit of a bunch of misfits. Probably like a little uh, an MLB version of uh, the Bad News Bears. A little bit. Uh, but you know what? We, get, we, look, we don't have, we don't have money for better players. We gotta make we gotta make this work. I mean, it's it's that bad that they charge for soda. They charge their own players for soda. Yes, that's that's, that's how when poor, you know. That's how poor this uh, team is. That's how rock bottom we are. Well, see that Billy has a habit of not watching the games, not actually watching the games. Yeah, which, is, which I think I think is a fascinating look into because yeah, I feel like it's probably like being incredibly stressful. But again, also we see the the characters shift and change throughout the movie, though, with this, and I and I do appreciate that because just having played baseball, I just I don't know. I, to me, I think that would be important to watch, um, just because you know. You, but but the flip side of it is, you know, he doesn't want to get too attached, you know, what I mean, to the players and stuff like that. So I, I kind of understand both sides of the logic to that. Yeah, and they're, they're not doing very well, most because uh, how is really undermining Beans. Bean's strategy, because again, he picked these guys to get on base, but the problem is how is not starting them. If how is start them, they can't pull it, they can't bat, they can't get yeah. on base, they can't win. Uh, so, yeah, basically now like a, a battle between him, him and how. Only problem is now media starting to notice, especially because they start going into a really bad backslide. And I do think yeah. that it's actually like an interesting look because. Uh, the media is now because like when they're losing, the media is all up Billy Bean's ass. Yeah. But when they start winning later in the movie, they start <laughs> praising who? Not Billy Bean. How? Or how? Yeah. Which is crazy because the only reason they're in that position is because of Billy, not Art. Um, you know. Yeah. So uh, we also find out, you know, why, uh, you know, what Billy Bean's relationship is basically. Relationship to the team, like he doesn't fly out with the way game, doesn't fly out with the team like anywhere, just because yeah. he doesn't want to build a personal relationship with them. Because if he has to cut them, 
he doesn't want to feel bad about it. Which, yeah, makes a lot of sense. I mean, it does, but now you have Jonah Hill for that, so it's all good. Yeah, Jonah Hill, so it's all right. <laughs> all good, man. So, but yeah, so they're, so they're really they're really behind, but they but they know they can turn the season around if they just you know, if they just stick st- like the seventy six like the seventy sixers trust the process. Yeah, I mean, and it, 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 and you think watching this movie, there's no way in hell that this team's going to rebound at all. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, when, that's when Billy Bean. Uh, decides to make some interference. They have one player, uh, Ricardo Rincon. No, not Rincon. I'm sorry. Rick, uh, wait, was it Rincon? No, Rincon gets, yeah. gets traded later. Rico- that was later on. Yeah, Rincon Rico- 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 gets traded later. Uh, who's the one that gets, yeah. that gets traded to Detroit? Oh, shit. Oh, man. I wish I knew. I wish I, sh- I should know this. It- I can't think I can't think of it. it- no, is it... Um, uh, no, it, it's um, uh, per, not Perez. Um, Pena, that's it. Pena, Pena. I knew it began with a P. Well, it's an actor who funny looks, looks nothing like the real Carlos Pena. And Dave Justice looks nothing like Dave Justice. Let's he, throw that out there too. He doesn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, because because uh, How is so insistent on starting Pena at first, Bean's like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna trade him. <laughs> I love th- I love this scene though. Uh, yeah, so he, he, he trades Pena to Detroit. He has uh, Brandt Brand break the news. And we see, you know, just like, <laughs> just like how, just how you know, players understand this is a business. Just like you traded, just back of things. Okay. Yeah, here's the contact information. Uh, he's a really good guy. He'll take care of you. And then boom, it's done. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> I, and I do. I, yeah, I, I love the scene where like he's bored. He's breaking the news to him. We're just like. You can't start paying yet first. Okay, yeah, because he's playing for Detroit. <laughs> Hoffman gets this look on his face where he's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Because he is like their best, their player, best player as of right now. Yeah, like he's just the look that Hoffman gives is just like it's again watch the watch the scene if you haven't. Yeah, it's it's really funny, and I love. How Brad Pitt's character, you know, Billy just kind of just sits back and lets him know, like, yeah. By the way, you're you're not gonna want to start him because he's he's a, he's plays for Detroit now. Kind of just like a ha ha ha, like a little fuck you type, you know what I mean to him. I think it's it's really funny. Yeah, but we see that as you know, as they start bringing in some of these some of the moneyball tactics, uh, things start to turn around. Uh, they yeah, start, they start winning. They start winning games. They start winning a lot of games. Yeah, they start stringing them together, and all of a sudden, from the basement dwellers, they start jumping up in the uh, in the standings of their division. Yeah, then, then we get the trade the trade deadline. I do love this scene because Aaron Sorkin is one of the co-writers on the script. This scene feels the most Sorkin in the entire film to me. The scene where you know he's he's constantly he's, oh he's yeah, uh, Ricardo Rincon, uh, you know, just like the, the process of him, like making calls to uh, making calls to. I think it was on the Mets. The, Giant, the, the Giants, Giants were the ones that were going to get him. Oh, the Giants were, in, were interested in him. That's right. The Giants were interested in him. I believe he was in Cleveland. He was Cleveland's pitcher, I'm pretty sure. He was Cleveland, yeah. Um, I like how it's almost you're playing behind the back here of trying to, to get him. Yeah, we, yeah, we, see, yeah, we see the, the phone calls to Cleveland, just to San Francisco, to the Mets. It's just like this is a crazy process. Like you, you, you could totally get lost if you if you're trying to follow along with it and they get it. Yeah. But like it's just such a it's, just, it's just like a really I like I like the business aspect of baseball and sports in general. 
I feel like this scene, this scene of any, of any scene in the movie feels the most Sorkin to me. And I feel like if this is the movie that tackles the more of the business aspect of baseball than anywhere else and in any baseball film that we've watched, you know what I mean? The streak, is, the streak is alive. They are heading to a record. Uh, they're on track to win more consecutive games than any team in American League history. And they're doing it. Uh, they're playing the, I believe it was the Royals, if not mistaken. Yeah, that was Kansas City, yeah. The Royals, that being an administration, does not watch the games. But he turns to the radio, and they are up 11 to nothing. Oh, this this part here, boy, boy, does that stress you out watching this one? And he's like, "Holy!" And be like, "Holy shit! I gotta go see this." Yeah, and, uh, you might want to turn that car. You want to keep going? Yeah, uh, because uh, you know, I think the athletes believe in more than anything else are jinxes. Because uh, the second he shows up, they start blowing it. And I mean, they literally, yeah, and they dropping an 11 run lead. They Oof. continue to blow it. Going into the ninth, they, are, they blew an 11 run lead. Yeah, it's tied up at 11 going into the ninth. Like, and, and this is this is like some Atlanta level choking in baseball. But not only, are, but you also are riding this huge winning streak on top of the fact that you know not only like the potential of this one if this does. And your streak. You were up 11 nothing. How does that look? Like, how does that go down? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, also, guess also one thing I, one thing I want to talk about is this, the score for this film. Oh, score is fucking perfect. Did, did, did it remind you of anything? Remind me of Rudy. Remind me of Friday Night Lights. Oh, and Friday Night Lights. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Rudy. Not, not, not Rudy. I'm sorry. I knew okay. football. I meant Friday Night Lights. I absolutely did. Did Jerry Goldsmith did not do that one. Or No, he did. Goldsmith did Rudy. He did, he did Rudy. He uh, did Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights uh, absolutely reminded me of Friday Night Lights. Just those those short little scores, um, yeah, definitely reminded me of Friday Night Lights. Yeah, so uh, it's the bo- it's the bottom of the ninth, uh, and Howe has decided to put in Hatterberg at bat, and I love this this scene where just the sound cut the sound design in this in this scene is incredible because it cut the sound literally as the pitch goes cuts out, and you just hear the crack of the bat. Mm-hmm. Ball towers. Scott Hatterberg came in and called game. Yep, walk off. Home run, walk off. A's win their twentieth straight. And yeah, this is and, yeah, after this we see that we kind of get a sense of Bean's mentality, where he's not really in it to win titles. He's in it to win. He's not in it to. It wasn't about titles. Wasn't about pennants. Wasn't about any of that shit. It's about making it's more about making a statement with this. Yeah. I mean, being that you know, this this whole rationale of thinking, I mean, it it, it, it we're we're watching it work. You know what I mean? It's changing the the game of baseball right before our eyes, you know? Yeah. And one thing he wants to do is he wants to, no matter what, he wants to win the last game of the season. Yep. He says, like, it doesn't matter what you do in the middle. If you don't win the last game of the season, who gives a shit? And nobody remembers it. I mean, that's, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the harsh reality of it. Nobody, nobody remembers it. And that's what happens. They end up losing in, the, in uh, I believe it's not the conference round, but they end up losing in the playoffs. It's a divisional, I believe, ALDS. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. They end up losing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Who was it they were playing? Was it the Tigers? 
Um, was it the Yankees again? Didn't the Yankees beat him again, didn't they? I think, no. Wait, was it? Oh, Yankees. I think you're right. No, it was not the Yankees. Uh, are you sure? Or wait a minute, it was the Twins. It was the Twins. Twins, that's it. Never mind. I knew it was a central. I I, I went. The, the Yankees were the the oh one oh two was when. Yeah, that's right. That's when. Uh, for a couple years there, the AL Central had random teams represent them in the playoffs. So, yeah, Twins were hot that year. Yeah, yeah so it was, it was the Twins. So, yeah. They didn't accomplish what he wanted. He didn't win the last game of the season. But uh, he is getting calls from the, the Red Sox. Beantown, baby. Bean and Beantown. Bean and Beantown. Get your Sam Adams out. Uh, so, yeah, they want, they want to recruit him because they want him to be the GM. Another thing I like, I like in the movie, and it really tells you how much they offered him. All you know is that if if he takes this offer, he'll be the highest paid GM in the history of sports. But then you find out at the, I mean, you find out at the end. I mean, but I do like how we see it here, though. We we don't know. Yeah, we we, we don't know. So yeah. I also, I also love this last scene where uh, Jonah Hill's talking, or Brent's talking to him about this guy who you know he was always scared to round to seconds. Um, and he was so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was so terrified because he was going, he tripped. All his worst nightmares are coming true, yeah. but he didn't realize that he hit a home run. Yeah, because I mean, he was just so self-conscious, I guess, on himself, maybe physically, or maybe that he wasn't fast enough, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, but, he's, but I think this scene really illustrates why people love baseball so much. You know, it's... Yeah. it's it's you know it's it's the joy it's the, it's the raw it's the raw emotion, it's this the you know the com- the camaraderie the, the team the teamness of it just the be- it's the it's the beauty the beauty of the game is also in its simplicity. But it's the fucking heartbreak you go on too. I mean, I I wouldn't trade any of the Indians collapses and stuff like that. Even as being as an Indians fan, you know, or Guardians now, but uh, you know what I mean that 2017 streak of 22 that they had and you know they now are the the possessors of the AL's longest win streak, not the longest ones, 26 with the Giants. Um, but that heartbreak with the World Series, man, like you, the baseball gives you that opportunity to either bask in success or just that heartbreak. You know what I mean? It's just, and it's a beautiful game. It, it really is. It's just, um, it's it's a love story. It's always a love story. It's a love hate relationship. And it, baseball knows how to do it. It, it does it just ever so intricately, you know? driving figure out what, what he wants in his future then he finds a CD in his car and it's his daughter singing to him yeah and, oh man what a what a fucking way to end the movie where him listening to his daughter because he has a, at the end that's who you have you have your daughter you know what I mean um yeah, you end up you. you you end up staying you have a reason you know what I mean yeah. um it's a perfect way to end the film yeah Bean ends up staying in Oakland turning out an offer for 12 and a half million dollars Crazy. What did they say? What Oakland paid him they that did. year after? They didn't. Probably. No. Not that um, much. Kinda... I guarantee that. Not that much. Oh, not. He's lucky if he got four dollars or four four million and. Four million and but but they got free pop now though. They got free soda now. They got free pop now, man. Matters. We're good. Um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. So he ends up turning turning it down to stay to stay with the with the Athletics. Uh, yeah. Two years later, the uh, Red Sox did win the World Series. Curse of the Bambino was lifted in 04, yep. Yeah, but they did it using the strategies implemented by the Oakland team. And it was funny because one of the guys that they got was Euclid. Euclid was a huge part of that in 04, too. Yeah, 
Because yeah. I remember they, they were, I remember John Hill's character was kind of talking about Euclid's awful, that, that little duck thing that he, his, his, again, kind of what we were talking about, finding flaws in his batting stance, like kind of like a duck, you know what I mean? But that, boy, that guy could fucking hit the ball. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, that's Moneyball. Uh, one thing I wanted to discuss real quick before we get into the actual, actual thoughts about the movie there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not Moneyball actually actually works. Now, here's my here's my thoughts on the whole thing. Now, is it going to is it going to help you win a championship? It's going to be a little tougher to do that. But if you can spend thirty million dollars and get like a hundred plus wins, I consider that a success. Indians proved it again. I'm sorry to use my team again, but that's a small market team. That's that's exactly. Yeah. The year that they won that streak, I think they won over 100 games. I mean, there, there, there you have it right there. You know, it, it can happen. Yeah, I, I think it's me- it's more measured by it'll keep you relevant. It'll keep you in a, in a winning state. It'll keep you in a good place overall. Because like even even if you like, cause like say you suck, you're not gonna get more money for you're not getting more money for sucking. <laughs> and I mean that's that's the thing that you get with those small market teams like the Indians. You know, you have only you know so much money to keep a team afloat for so long. That's why you have your trades like your Francisco Lindors leaving and stuff like that. You can't afford the talent. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I think the 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 way that they played small ball like that and did the statistics and stuff like that, yeah, you, you, you can win. I mean, I think some of these small market teams that pop up in the World Series, look at uh, Kansas City winning the uh, World Series several years back. You know, small market teams can win the World Series. I mean, you're not going to be a perennial powerhouse. Look at them now. You know what I mean? But you can still absolutely compete and win and get hot in one year, 162 baseball games, and, and get hot, you know? Yeah, so, uh, but you know, regardless of the normal strategy, uh, final thoughts on the movie, Russ? Uh, it was a perfect but, um It's not, it, it, it feels to me it's a little bit more, uh, more of the uh, statistics side of baseball, do you know what I mean? More of uh, more analytic, which I like, because it's something different that not a lot of baseball movies really present. Um, it's always about going on the journey, you know what I mean? It, yeah, you're doing it, but you're getting a little bit more in depth with the crunching of the numbers and stuff like that, which I appreciate. Um, Brad Pitt, uh, fantastic performance. Uh, Jonah Hill, probably his best performance. Um, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman was fantastic as always. And uh, like we said, Chris Pratt, it's, it's good to see some of these guys uh, test out of the boundaries of what they're comfortable with. But um, I think it's a perfect film. The score is perfect. Everything about the film, it, it really, having watched it again, just really uh, resonates. And it shows you really how hard 20 games in a row. That's that's that's, that's, a, that's a feat, man. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And on top of it, you're not doing it with buying these big players. You know what I'm saying? You're doing it playing with small market people. It's, it's pretty impressive. I didn't realize how excellent it was until rewatching it. Yeah, uh, I think it's a great examination of both again why people love baseball and also why you know the the, the business side of baseball, which I, I, I always find fascinating. I, I like the way it just breaks it down for people, just like so the way anybody can understand it. I, I don't think anybody can watch this and like I don't get it. No, uh, it's it's like, like it's a pretty much like a Cliff Notes version of all of it. It's 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 super uh, super easy to understand. Do a really good job of explaining analytics, sabermetrics, and all that stuff like that. Um, I think that Brad, yeah, again, performance is fantastic. Bennett Miller, who's a really, really solid director, I think kind of, kind of underrated. He hasn't like, underrated and hasn't worked in a while, which sucks because I think he's, I think he's really good, and I'd like to see him make more movies. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you put anything out like this, I mean, it's, it's, it's 
fantastic. Yeah, he has made a movie since uh, Foxcatcher. And Foxcatcher was fantastic, too. This guy needs to make some movies. He was, so, yeah. Uh, please make more movies, Bennett Miller. And, yeah, I think this is, just, this is a movie that just hits completely right. And I'm really yeah. glad I got the chance to rewatch it again. No, I agree. That's good. All right, that's good to do it for the show. Uh, Russ, welcome our plugs for head up. Yeah, guys can find us notorious by chance on Facebook. That's where we put up the polls for you guys to vote. So go ahead and do that. Uh, share, spread the love. We're almost at 500 members on our Facebook group. Guys can also find us notorious by chance on YouTube. Uh, where I do compete. And yeah, it's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks for listening. We will see you next time.